Folks, we're going to turn to God's Word now, uh, and we're reading from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 14, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, and we're going to read the first five, five verses of 1 Corinthians 14, and uh, let's pray as we come to God's Word. Speak, O Lord, as we come to You, to receive the food of Your Holy Word. Take your truth, plant it deep in us. Shape and fashion us in your likeness. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So we're reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And Paul writes this, he says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. And we'll finish our reading there. <clears throat> well, this morning we're continuing our, in our sermon series, uh, Deeply Connected Lives. Uh, and in this series, we're looking at uh, our new God-given vision for us as a church family here in Orangefield, together with Jesus bringing life to Belfast and the nations. And we're particularly looking in this series at our vision priority number one, deep connections, growing as God's family, marked by hospitality, authenticity, and deeply committed relationships. And so, to, do, to help us to do this, we're looking at Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth. And we've seen from chapter 13 of the letter that all of this is, is grounded and informed and shaped by love. God's love for us, our love for Him, our love for one another. Love leads to lives that you see that are becoming increasingly deeply connected and committed. So last week when Gareth was teaching we saw from chapter 12 all about the different gifts of the Spirit that God lovingly gives to us in order to better love one another as His people. And Paul writes, he says that there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit dis distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all, in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one of the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Each of us receive a gift or gifts for the good of all of us. And the, the Bible would tell us that there are somewhere around 20 different gifts uh, and abilities that God gives us. And this morning, we're going to look at one of those. It's the gift of prophecy. So, the, the title I have today is The Prophetic in Worship as a Vehicle of Love. For you see, Paul writes here in the very first verse of our Bible reading, he writes, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. 
And maybe we haven't heard a whole lot about this in the church. I know we've been speaking on it in Orangefield, but perhaps it's one of those gifts that, well, what's it about? Who has it? How is it practiced? How is it experienced? And yet, Paul writes, follow the way of love, eagerly desire gifts, especially prophecy. So listen up for what God might want to say to us on this this morning. First question is, is the gift of prophecy still working in the church? Is it still operational? Is it still available to us in the church today? And we believe, yes, as a congregation, it is very much so. He's the same God. Same God. And our Kirk session has long held, going back to Ken's time and more recently affirmed in a document in 2020, that the gifts of the Spirit are available for use in the church today. And whilst we totally respect the views of brothers and sisters who may differ from us on this, we believe that indeed He is the same God. As we see Him working in the Bible, so He's still at work. He's a living God, the same God. And you see, we see nothing subsequent to this teaching in Corinthians that would suggest in any way that the giving, receiving, and use of these gifts has ceased. Indeed, in Acts chapter 2, Paul quotes from the prophet Joel. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And you see, friends, from the, since the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ and the outpouring of His Spirit, and as we expectantly await His return, we are living in the last days. We're living in these days. So we believe that the gift of prophecy is available for us for use in the church today. So who can exercise the gift of prophecy? Well, look here, verse 5, Paul says, I would like every one of you, every one of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. So it's not going to be a limited thing, is it? It looks like it's widely available in the church. Now, not everyone will receive this gift or exercise it. For remember, it is God who distributes the gifts, and He does it in according to His perfect will and purposes. And to some, He gives this gift, and to some, He gives that. But it does seem that this is a widely distributed gift from the, the Lord to His church. So Paul would say that we should all ask for the gift, and all who receive it should use it. What is the gift of prophecy? Well, to prophesy, is, it, it, it speaks of the Greek word, and it means to speak forth, to speak forth. And it doesn't mean always to speak forth, to foretell the future. That's a, a part of it, but that's only a small part of it. It literally means to speak forth a word from God. It's to share God's message. And we need to understand from the outset now that it's not the equivalent of Scripture. None of us, you or me, we're not Jeremiah or Isaiah. We're not Moses or John the Baptist. We don't have that Old Testament authority of the prophets. So our prophecy, we may bring Scripture, but it's not bringing new Scripture. It's not bringing new revelation. For we have, we have the Bible. We have the canon of Scripture, which is complete and closed. It's complete and closed, but it's open to us as God speaks from it today. 
And you know, we can all read and hear God's message for ourselves. We hear God's message for ourselves when we read the Bible, when we hear the Bible read, when we hear it preached. And I would say that the reading of God's Word and the preaching of Scripture are actually the main ways that the prophetic gifting is exercised today in the church. These are the main ways in which God's message is spoken forth and with which He connects to us, communicates with us. And you see, before Gareth or I or anyone else who's preaching from the front of the church here delivers a sermon, we spend hours in preparation. We spend hours listening for God, asking Him for a message for His people for these days, for this day. So preaching is a prophetic ministry, but so too is any setting where we seek to listen for and to share God's Word, God's message with one another. And the Apostle Paul writes in verse 3, and this is helping to explain what is the gift of prophecy. Verse 3, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their comforting, so they're strengthening, they're encouraging, and comfort. Prophecy is to speak forth a word for strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So it's a gift. It strengthens, encourages, comforts. Verse 4, the one who prophesies edifies the church. It's a gift that edifies the church. Verse 12, since you're eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. It's a gift that builds up, builds up the church, builds up its members, builds up one another. So it's the God-given ability to receive God's message for others and then to share it, to offer it to them. And the focus of the prophetic is others and our love and God's love for them. So the prophetic is an obvious vehicle for the love of God into our lives as we seek to deeply connect with one another. How do we exercise the gift of prophecy? And I realize that we're moving through these things, and I guess I'm trying to bring the prophetic in a nutshell in the few moments that we have. But there are many good books and podcasts that we can listen to to help to develop these things and increase our understanding. How do we exercise the gift of prophecy? First of all, I would say we must know the Bible. We must know the Bible. You see the importance of having our minds filled with Scripture, our minds saturated with Scripture. And we can bring all sorts of different words to, to uh, maybe appropriate, maybe okay, but the most clear, the most accurate, the most true way that God speaks prophetically to us is, I would suggest, by bringing a word from His Word. And you know, we might find it helpful, we will find it helpful to learn some strengthening, encouraging, and upbuilding Bible verses, and they'll do us the world of good before we ever even think of sharing them with anyone else. Secondly, we humbly ask God for what He wants to say. It's simple as that. We believe God speaks so we can hear what He wants to say. We ask Him. And so when we're exercising this ministry, we humbly ask the Lord to give us something for another person or another group of people. And it could be something for the person sitting beside us in the pew, on the pew in church, or it could be something for a group of people living at the other side of the world. Thirdly, we carefully listen. We carefully listen. You see, a major element in the exercising, perhaps what we spent most of our time doing in this, exercising this gift is in listening attentively listening, because if we don't listen, then we will have nothing to say, or at least we won't have the right thing to say. And in doing so, as we come to listen, we may pray that prayer of Samuel, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. 
So we prayerfully listen. And then if the Lord wishes to give us something, He gives that we receive the message. And it could be a word. It's quite often a word, a verse, or a, a passage of Scripture. It may be a word encouraging someone to come for prayer ministry, for healing. And we've heard Dan's story. Thank you, Dan, for sharing. And often that will be because someone has heard a word or believed they've got an impression of a word and said, we believe God wants to heal. Come forward for prayer ministry. So God may give us a word to share and, and let me just, you know, you've heard Dan's story. Maybe a word inviting someone for healing. Or it may be a picture. It, it, it may be, often it's a word, but it may be a picture or an image. You see, in the Bible, God often gives people images, pictures, visions. Ezekiel saw the valley of dry bones rising back to life again. Jacob saw a stairway to heaven. John saw the risen Lord in glory, in revelation. So someone operating in the prophetic may offer us a biblical picture, a dove signifying perhaps the, the Holy Spirit or peace. A waterfall speaking of cleansing and refreshing. The cross speaking of forgiveness. The empty tomb speaking of resurrection and new life. It could be someone running the race, fighting the battle, plowing, sowing, reaping a tree or a vine with fruit. It could be a picture that relates directly to Scripture. It could be a picture of something else. And we might not understand it, but we have the impression that God wants us to gently and courageously share this picture with the other person or another person. And, and when we do, you know, we don't always even know the result. Sometimes we'll share something and the person or the congregation will, will simply say, no, nope, doesn't seem to mean a whole lot to me at the minute. And we say, okay, and we move on. On the other hand, someone may come up and say, actually, that resonated with me, and they, they may explain why it did, or they may, ex it may not. But the thing is, no recipient of, of, of prophetic mes me uh, message or no recipient of prayer ministry is ever obliged to share anything or say anything or explain anything. Never. So an example of a picture perhaps being offered in the prophetic I remember once when I was thinking about going off, to, I believe God was calling me to go off to mission in North Africa. And I had received a number of encouragements and guidance, and I was starting to stack those up. But the one thing that was kind of hindering me at the time was the lack of, of resources, of funding, the lack of funding. And I went for prayer ministry, and, and the person who was praying brought a, a picture and it was of, of doors being opened up and of, of an outpouring of, of resources. And, and it was linked with Malachi 3 and, and verse 10 as well. The picture and the verse, the word and the picture were together. And that Malachi 10, or 3 and verse 10 says this. It says, the Lord says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room to store it. I knew how much I needed to fund the mission trip, and by the time I was ready to go, I'd prayed and people had give, and by the time I was ready to go, I had exactly what I needed, twice over. Twice over, and I remembered this. And it was great encouragement to me. Go, the Lord will provide. 
the picture of the doors open, the floodgates open. That's what it meant. And I put it with the other things and I wet it in and I went. But it is most important that if we believe that God may be, may be giving us a message for someone else, we really try to discern it. Is it really from Him or not? This is what we must try to discern. We filter the word or the picture through the lens of A, B, C. Easy to remember. Is the message that we believe God is giving us for someone else, is it affirming? A. Is it affirming? Does this word or picture fulfill the criteria here set out in 1 Corinthians 14 of being verse 3, strengthening, encouraging, and comforting, verse 4, edifying, and verse 12, upbuilding? Is it affirming? Is it A? Secondly, is it B? Is the message B? Is it biblical? Is this word or picture consistent with the broad teaching of Scripture and not a verse taken out of context? So is it affirming? Is it biblical? Is it C? Is it Christ-like? Is this word or picture consistent with the character, the mission, the ministry of Christ? That's the filter, A, B, C, the filter that we'll put anything through before we would share it with someone else. And when it comes to sharing, really, it's, it's this impression that God has given us. He impresses on us a picture or a word. It's something that we feel God is impressing on us, prompting us, encouraging us, compelling us to share. And we know that we're fallible, and we sometimes get it wrong. So we offer the prophetic, giving the other space to weigh, to test, to ponder, to think it through, to check it out. We offer it as something that we hope may be relevant. We offer it always in a language such as, I feel that the Lord may be giving me a word for you. Or I see a picture which I feel may be relevant to you. You see, we never go in with, thus saith the Lord. For as I, as I said, we do not speak with the authority of the Old Testament prophets. We never say, thus saith the Lord, for we dare not burden anyone with something which may not be from him. Something which we may have got wrong. No, we always allow them room to either receive or reject. So before we offer anything which we feel is from the Lord to anyone else, we filter it through the lens of ABC. And, the, and if the word or the picture isn't affirming and biblical and Christ-like, then we don't share it. So how then do we exercise the gift of prophecy? We know the Bible. We must know the Bible. We humbly ask God for what He wants to say. We carefully listen. We receive the message. We filter it through the ABC. And then we graciously share it in love. And so if we're offered a word or a picture then from someone, which they believe may be a prophetic message, how are we to respond to it? How do we know whether to receive it or reject it? Well, just as in the ABC criteria for offering, so we also have an ICC criteria to remember for responding. W, 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 dot. Firstly, we weigh it. We weigh it. Paul says here at the end of this chapter 14, Paul says, weigh carefully what is said. Weigh carefully what is said. You see, no matter how genuinely offered, we shouldn't just accept prophecy indiscriminately. When we receive a word or a picture from another, we weigh it up against the criteria. 
Is it affirming? Is this biblical? Is this Christ-like? Because elsewhere in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul writes, he says, do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. And Jesus warned us. He warns us in Matthew chapter 7. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. So if we are placed somewhere, someplace, and someone gives us a word that, we, that, that, that would be discouraging or destructive or divisive, we reject it. And we hold to that which is good. Treating the prophetic with respect means filtering out the bad and holding to the good. So when we receive a prophetic message in, in any case, we weigh it. We weigh it into the mix. We put it alongside other Bible teaching and counsel and circumstances and common sense, leading of the Spirit, etc., that is applying to our given situation. And certainly it would seem to me to be very unwise to make a major decision based on just one prophetic word or picture. No, we will want to weigh it and stack it up with other things, other ways through which the Lord is speaking to us. So we will weigh it. Secondly, we wait on it. Wait on it. You see, we may assume that a word is to apply eminently or immediately, and that may well be the case. But it's not always so. The Bible is full of prophecies that took years, even generations, to fulfill. So having received a message that may be appropriate to adopt a wait-and-see approach to it, unless it's obviously for the here and now. We might want to write it down. That's a great thing to be doing with these things. Journaling, writing down. Look, as Habakkuk was told by the Lord, he said, write it down. Write it down. Though it linger, wait for it. For it will certainly come. It will certainly come. So for a prophetic word or picture to be effective, timing is important. It may be something to wait for. On the other hand, it may be something which requires immediate action. So having weighed up the prophecy, having discerned the right timing for it, then what? Then what? Well, we walk in it. We walk in it. Basically, as the old song goes, we trust and obey. Trust and obey. Having weighed the message, if we feel indeed that it's both the right message and the right timing, we need to take action. We need to step into it. We need to ask ourselves, what is my next step? Because Jesus says in Luke 11, he says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And we obey the word of God and walk in it, and we walk in it with one another's prayers and one another's love and support. Because we want to be more deeply connected and we deeply connect through the exercise of the prophetic. And so we help one another to respond, to respond, to explore the next step, both prayerfully and practically. So then just as we move towards a conclusion, what is the usual setting for the exercising of the prophetic? Well, at the end of 1 Corinthians 14, Paul writes, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, 
and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but let everything be done in a fitting and orderly way. Let everything be done in a fitting and orderly way, because you remember Paul's whole reason for writing this letter to the Corinthians was because the church there was, was it, both its governance and its worship were anarchic and disorderly. God was being dishonored. People were being hurt. And so Paul writes the letter to bring order to the church in both its governance and its worship. So all of the gifts are to be used in a fitting and orderly way in worship and in governance. That is under the oversight of the local church leadership. Under the oversight of the local church leadership. And then Paul talks here in verse 14 of it being a gift for use when the church comes together. So it is for when God's people gather together. And here at Orangefield, we have opportunity for the practice of the prophetic when we gather together for Sunday worship. Our general practice on Sunday morning here is that the, the prayer ministry team meet for a time of prayer and, and listening before the service. That's Roger and the guys. And then during the prayer time that the ministers and worship team have, the prayer ministry team are in there as well. And we all listen for any message or words or pictures that the Lord might want to bring to an individual or collectively to the congregation. And we weigh those up. And if we feel that they're appropriate, then we share them from the front. Gareth and I weigh these up, and if they're appropriate, we share them from the front, either as part of the sermon or as, as we invite folks to come forward for prayer ministry at the end, which is offered at the end of every service. Maybe uh, when home groups meet, the prophetic ministry may be operated when home groups gather together during the week, during a time of prayer, members will pray for one another, listen for one another, and perhaps bring a word or a picture from the Lord to another member. Prophetic words or pictures, of course, can also be offered and received during any of our various midweek prayer meetings and, of course, in prayer ministry. Prayer ministry offered, as I say, after every service. And if you come forward for prayer ministry, our team will, will pray with you, will listen to you, will offer you anything which they feel may be from the Lord for you, as Roger has already said, in complete confidence, in complete confidence. But just as I finish, let me encourage you to be thinking and praying on this gifting. As Paul has said, let's be open to receiving it. Let's be open to benefiting from it. And in every setting in which the prophetic is exercised, it is vitally important that the one bringing the word or picture always applies the ABC criteria that we discussed earlier. Is it affirming? Is it biblical? Is it Christ-like? And only then do we bring the message. And it is equally important that the recipient always apply that www criteria when receiving a message. Weigh it, wait on it, and walk in it. And all as we seek to strengthen, to encourage, to comfort, to edify, and to build up one another in love and all to the glory of God. Shall we pray together for a moment? The Lord is with us. He is speaking to us from His Word and by His Spirit, perhaps bringing a picture to your mind as well. 
Paul writes, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So let us humbly ask the Lord for this gift. Let us be open to receive this gift of the Spirit if this is a gift that the Lord wants to give to us. And let's take a moment, let us ask for that gift of prophecy and be open to receiving it. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that Paul says this is a gift that is to be sought by all of us and widely available in your church. So help us to receive this gift now, Lord. And now let me invite you to listen for a message, for a word or a picture from the Lord for someone else. A word or a picture that will strengthen, encourage, comfort, edify, and build up the church. Speak, Lord. And in a, a gathering of this number of people and with this wide, widely available gift operating amongst us and as God moves amongst us, there's no doubt He's giving people pictures for someone. He's given people words for someone. So let me encourage you, if you believe that God has given you something, something for the congregation to come and share it with myself or Gareth after the service. Or if you believe that the Lord may have given you something for another member of the church family, then let me encourage you to gently and graciously go and share it with them after the service. The words, the pictures that we were receiving this morning in prayer have been alluded to and as Roger spoke, but there's, there's that encouragement for a family or families to come forward for prayer. There was a word of casting out fear and worry. Perhaps you're bound with worry and fear. There was, there was that word of being set free. There was a picture of people being set free, captives being set free. Perhaps you're burdened today with worry or anxiety. God wants to set you free. Let us come and minister to you in prayer and help with that journey. So, Father God, we thank you for your great love for each and every one of us. So help us to grow in our love for you and our love for one another through com committed relationships and to deepen our connections through the use of the gifts of the Spirit, which you have lovingly given us. Help us to eagerly seek this gift of prophecy, to know our Bibles, to humbly ask you for what you would want to say, to carefully listen, to bring messages from you that are affirming, biblical, and Christ-like, and to graciously share. And in receiving such a message, to weigh it, wait on it, and then walk in it. We pray all of these things for your glory 
in the power of your spirit and in Jesus' precious name. Amen.